excited about next weekend. We're kicking off a brand new message series we're calling Undaunted. Uh, another f- word for undaunted could be gritty or brave or courageous. And we want to look at people in scripture, new and old, male and female, who have had a courageous pursuit of God in their lives and how we can emulate them. And so we're kicking that off next weekend. Don't miss it. But this weekend, we are wrapping up what we've been in over the last eight weeks. We've been looking at the Beatitudes, God's blessed statements. He's saying, look, if you live like this, you can lead a good life. And I think all of us want that. And Jesus has said some things so far that it's hard to hear, but I've been able to get my heart around it. Like those who are humble, those who are peaceful, those who are merciful, those who have a pure heart. That's how you lead to the good life. And I can agree with that. But then Jesus at the end says something is so radical, so crazy, that I don't even know how in the world this is possible. And here's how he ends the Beatitudes. He says this. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. How many of you have worked on life goals and you're working on things that you want to be better at and you said in your life goals, I want to be lied about? I want to be made fun of. I want people to persecute me or say bad things about me because of my faith. Anybody write that in your life goals? If you did, it'd be weird. (laughs) None of us ever write that. We want to think of good things in our life and attain those. And Jesus is saying just as much as you want these good things over here, a good thing is for you to be persecuted for your faith, for people to make fun of you, to people to exclude you, to people lie about you. Because of your faith. It's hard to get our minds around that. How can that lead to a blessed life? I want to show you that if we're not doing this, if we're not leading a life that leads to this kind of exclusion or persecution, then we're really missing out on on a blessing that God has for us. It's a really incredible thing when we live our lives to get to this point. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a few ways in which we are to suffer or in other ways in which we're not to suffer. And it all goes back to what I want to introduce to you as the bottom line. If you remember one thing I said today, I'm hoping it's this. I'm going to repeat it all the time. I'm actually going to have you repeat it with me. It's this. Suffer like the Savior. Can you say that with me? Suffer like the the Savior. If you suffer like the Savior, you will be blessed. But there's a way to suffer for our faith that does not lead to blessing. And we need to tease that out as well because some of us are being persecuted for our faith, but for all the wrong reasons. So we're going to look at two ways in which not to suffer like the Savior and three ways to suffer like the Savior all in 20 minutes. So buckle up. So here's the first way that we are not to suffer like the Savior. We are to Live in such a way that we avoid it. If you want to not suffer like Jesus, then avoid it. Run away from it. Don't embrace it. I have to clue you guys in on something. It's a confession from me to you. Take it as you must. 
At the core of whom I am, I am a wimp. I am a wimp. Some of you are like, yeah, look at you, of course. I'm not surprised. But no, really, I am a wimp, especially when it comes to pain. Some people have incredible pain tolerance. I am at the lowest of low when it comes to pain tolerance. I remember a few years ago, I had to have back surgery. I wasn't really worried about the back surgery because I needed it to feel better. But what I was really worried about was the IV that I was going to get before back surgery. I remember that morning I went in, and I don't have, if you're a nurse here, there's some veins you look at, you're like, oh, bring them to me. The other time, it's never good when a nurse who's been on staff for a really long time says, oh, we better bring somebody else in. We better bring the experts in. I'm like, dang it. I know what this is going to mean. So they try to find the IV. They can't. Then they try to find it again, and they can't, and I start to lose it. I am freaking out. I don't like needles. I hate needles. I lose sleep over if I have to get blood drawn. I hate it. And I start to cry. Finally, <laughs> it's so embarrassing, but it's okay. Finally, the nurse gets it in. And I'm so worked up that the nurse is like, would you like me to bring your wife back here? I was like, yes, please bring her back here. And Paula, she comes back with her baby at the time, and she's like, are you scared? She tells her, are you scared about surgery? I'm like, no, they just poked me like 10 times in my arm. I was so scared. I hate pain. I avoid it like anything in my life. And yet I know that pain was going to lead to me feeling better in my surgery. And I wonder if that's kind of happens in our faith too. We, we want the blessing. We want to feel good. We want what Jesus has for us. But we want to avoid the pain at all costs. We don't want to suffer. Jesus says every day you're a Christian. He doesn't say it's going to be like heaven every day. He says no. You need to pick up your cross every day. We don't want that. We want the blessings of Jesus. But we don't want the cost of following Jesus. And what's interesting is Jesus does not say, hey, this may happen to you. You may suffer. It could happen. He literally says, again, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. This is not an option. This is a requirement when it comes to following Jesus. Some of you are here today and you're like, huh, I don't really suffer for my faith. You know, some people in third world countries, they couldn't just drive into a parking lot and walk in and grab a cup of coffee and find our seats and sit and be comfortable. There are people in third world countries that could lose their life, and many of them will lose their life simply by trying to gather and follow Jesus. That's persecution. But for us, it looks different in America, so I want to talk about what our persecution or our exclusion should look like. Some of us want to be Christians on Sunday, but we don't want to be Christians Monday through Saturday. When we're around certain people at work or certain family members or how we present ourselves on social media, we don't even put ourselves in a position to be excluded or persecuted or made fun of because people don't really see Jesus in us. We change how we really are. We don't want Christ to be at the center of our lives because we may be excluded or people may look down on us or whatever that is. So we run from it. Yet, if we want to suffer like the Savior, Jesus says we have to embrace it. We don't run away from it. We don't change who we are. We're ourselves. And if that means suffering or persecution or exclusion or people say bad things about us happen, then something's actually going right. I mean, Jesus is like, be happy about it. Be glad about it. 
when you're excluded because of your faith or someone says something that isn't true about you, but they're just saying it because you're a Christian. I love when Paul is writing to Timothy and Timothy's Paul's disciple and he's trying to tell him all of these things you need to know about faith. And he says, if you want to lead a godly life, then you will be persecuted for it. Or when the apostles, they just suffered after Jesus suffered and they left the high council after getting beaten for their faith. These people were just tortured for their faith and they were rejoicing, they were excited, they were happy. When's the last time that you were excited about someone excluding you or saying something bad about your faith? They were so pumped up because God counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Like these guys just saw Jesus get killed for doing the right thing. And they were doing the right thing and they too were persecuted for it and they said, thank you Jesus that you looked at me and thought I was worthy enough to be a sufferer for your name. If you really want to live a blessed life, don't run from suffering. Don't be someone that you're not so people just accept you, but they don't know about this Jesus thing over here. We should have Christ in the center of our lives that if people say things and do things against us because of it, we're blessed, we're worthy because of it. Now, this is where we kind of have to go in a different direction just for a moment because some of us are like, good, I'm good so far. I, I suffer for my faith. People say mean things about me because of my faith in Jesus. But let me tell you, I'm just asking you to be honest with yourself because I don't know what you do in your daily lives. Why are you being persecuted for your faith? Why are people saying things about you and excluding you? Is it for the right reasons? Because how not to suffer like the Savior is we're mocked for all the wrong reasons. I know a lot of Christians whom I know personally, and I've fallen into this as well, who people are saying bad things about them, but it's not for the right reasons. Pastor Matt Chandler, he's a pastor in Dallas, and he says it pretty honestly, and I just want to quote him because he's right. He says, if you're being reviled or hated and it's true and not because of Jesus, you're probably a jerk and need to repent. Something that I don't understand. There's many Christians who people are saying bad things about. And for some of it, it's true, and we'll get to that in a moment. But other reasons, it's because somehow when we've read about Jesus and we wanted to follow Jesus, somehow along the way, we're holding our beliefs to a higher standard than we are to our lifestyle. What I mean by that is, sure, we're saying why we believe what we believe and why we vote the way we vote and why we say the things the way we say it. But we're doing so in a way that pushes people away. People look at Christians and are like, that is how they're going to talk to me or judge me or hurt me. Why in the world would I ever want to go to church? Or why in the world would I ever want to read the Bible? Why in the world would I ever want to be a Christian? It is mind-boggling to me. I can't understand it. 
Why is it that in the Bible, Jesus is killed by religious people, but he's a hero to those who are prostitutes? A hero to tax collectors. A hero to those who want nothing to do with faith, and yet they're so drawn to Jesus. And when I look at Christians today, generally, not everybody, but generally, we are not heroes to those on the outside of the faith. We're really liked on the inside of the faith, and we're joining arms, and we're, we're gritting down and bearing down because this is, our country's falling apart, and all these things. And I agree, things about the country I don't like either, but we can't come across as a jerk about it. Some of us kind of like it when we're excluded for our faith because of that. Let me tell you, when you're like that, I'm glad you like it, but Jesus doesn't. Doesn't reflect him. Doesn't look like him. It's not part of being in the kingdom. Because if we want to suffer like the Savior, then we'll suffer for all the right reasons. Again, Jesus says, here's why you suffer. God blesses you when you're persecuted for doing right. Or that word right there is righteousness. When you're righteous, you should be persecuted. Not because you're mean and a jerk and you exclude people. And then Jesus says it the same way, just a little bit different. God will bless you. People mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all of these things, these evil things, because you're my followers. He says, look... You should be persecuted because you're following me, because you're righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? Theologian D.A. Carson puts it very simple. It's those determined to live as Jesus lived. If you want to be mocked for the right reasons, you want to be blessed. We're blessed because our lives look such like Jesus that people don't know what to do with us. Well, how did Jesus live? How did Jesus conduct himself? Well, when the gospel writer John was writing his biography about Jesus, and he talks about how Jesus lived right in the beginning, he tells us where he came from, what he's about to do, and then he's going to tell us how he's going to do it. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father and this is how he lived out his mission. It was full of grace and full of truth. 100% in equal measure. He wasn't all truth. And he wasn't just all grace. He was both simultaneously, all at the same time, never wavered from that. If you're like me as a Christian, sometimes you can do either one. Sometimes you can be all truth and man, people get our wrath when we're just all truthful, aren't, don't they? Or if we want to say grace is giving people a second chance, sometimes we don't want to confront anybody, we don't want to do anything about the situation, so we don't say anything. We give people a hundred chances. But that's not like Jesus either. Not saying something or just saying everything you think is not Jesus, but being a hundred percent truthful. Being 100% graceful together is. Let me give you an example. One of the things that I see oftentimes, even in our work environment, and yes, I work at the chapel, which means this can happen. 
I see it in families, I see it in workplaces, I see it in friendship groups, it drives me crazy. And yet it's so easy to participate in, is gossip and slander. As a Christ follower, if you want to be persecuted for doing right, following Jesus, here's what you do the next time you're in the midst of this. Someone is, let's say, we'll call this person, I don't know, Charles, all right? I've never talked behind your back, Charles, today. Um, let's say you have, a, you have, a, you have a, a person named Charles. Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's a coworker, and people don't really like Charles. And everyone starts talking about Charles. Now, when Charles comes around, you don't do that, right? Well, no, of course not, because we're cowards. Right? Aren't we cowards? We don't say it to their face. We'll say it behind their backs, but we will never say it to their face. So here's what a Christ follower does. One of two things. When we're in that group and that person starts talking about Charles again, what we say is, look, we, he's a teammate. Or he's our boss. And we may not always like how he acts or what he does, but we can't say this about him. People at that point may say, oh, here comes Christ follower Christopher, and he's going to just judge us. You're not judging that person. You're speaking truth. But you're doing it in a way that's graceful, that's loving, because you're showing love to that person. And you're showing love to these people because you don't want that person to hurt those, those people to hurt that person anymore. And you may be excluded for it. People may say, oh, go read some more Bible. Or they may say things to you, but let me tell you, you can walk away knowing you were mocked for the right reason. Because you were standing up for somebody. In love, but in truth. Or sometimes you just need to go to that person like, you know what? I don't care if they think I'm a rat. I don't care if they think I'm betraying them. But man, they're, they're saying this stuff about you. And I want you to know, I'm going to go to bat for you. Or you may need to go talk to them. And if they exclude you for that, they don't like you for that, oh well, who cares? That's on them. We need to be truthful and graceful, and you're persecuted for it. Good, Jesus says, because you're blessed. Maybe for you, and I have found myself in this situation more than anything. I did not grow up a Christian, and then I became a Christian. And I lived a really different life before. And even along the way, even when I was a Christian, there's been times in my life where Jesus wasn't at the center of my life which means he wasn't living in and through me. I still was, but I kind of wanted Jesus in my back pocket so I could pull him out and pray to him and, and use him and then put him back in when I didn't need him anymore. And maybe for you, you just became a Christian or now you're going to be Christ-centered. You're not pulling him out of your pocket anymore. He's the center of your life. And your friends or your family have been saying things and doing things that you don't want to be a part of anymore. And you're thinking, okay, what do I do? Do I just go along with it? Well, no, that's not being loving. Do I get a Bible and start preaching at them and saying why they're wrong? No, that's not truthful. You just simply say, look, God's been doing some things in my life, and because of that, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm not saying you can't. That's up to you. But I, I just can't do this anymore. And for some of us, immediately our group of friends will exclude us. Some of our family will judge us. They'll bring up your past. They're going to call you a hypocrite. But you know in your heart you're trying to do its best, because that's what 100% grace, 100% truth does. That's being mocked for the right reasons. Anything short of that has nothing to do with Jesus and all to do with us. I have a friend, actually two guys I meet with every single Monday from about 9.30 to 11 in the morning. I've been discipling them for a while now, and we were sitting together um, one of them and me were at Panera, and then he was on Zoom because he was back at his college in BG, and we were talking, and he shared this story. 
he's been a partier for a long time and he's found himself doing things he shouldn't, but God's really getting a hold of his life. And he said the other day, Thursday night, if you know anything about college, Thursday night is the big drinking night. Not Friday, not Saturday, Thursday. And that night, he was out at church with friends. He was at his small group. He comes home, and there's these guys already hammered in his apartment complex. And he knows these guys, friends with these guys. He's trying to change his life. So he walks up. These guys are drunk. And one guy's like, where have you been? And he goes, oh, boy. How am I going to tell him I was at a Bible study? <laughs> and so he just did. He's like, yeah, I was at a Bible study tonight. And they were like, really? Are you serious? Have a drink with us. He's like, no, I'm good. So he goes into his apartment. I don't know if they excluded him from there on, but he gets a knock on the door. He opens the door, and it's a guy that he's been friends with. And his friend looks him in the eyes. He goes, tell me how to have a relationship with Jesus. Man, it almost brings tears to my eyes, just knowing where this guy has come from. And to me, I told him, look, you may get excluded, but God's going to bless you in some way. I don't know how that is. For him, that blessing was he stood for his faith, even in the midst of becoming persecuted or excluded from his group of friends. And God blessed it. Because you know what? Here's the truth. You either stand for something or you fall for anything. And his friends have been falling for anything. He stood for truth, and now his friend wants to know Jesus. It's amazing what happens. But let me tell you, you live this way, it will become exhausting. You are going to question, it's too much. I don't want to be excluded anymore. I don't want people to say bad things about me anymore. And Jesus knows this. And this is why the third point is so important. If we want to suffer like Jesus, we are convinced the temporary pain of suffering for Jesus points to the eternal reward of being with Jesus. We know that when we suffer for Jesus, it's worth it in the end because we'll be with him forever. That's why he promises us this, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Go read Hebrews 11 sometime. It's called the Hall of Faith. All of these guys and all of these girls, they lived for Jesus, but they were persecuted along the way, and they endured, and now they are with Jesus. Read about Jesus himself. He literally is crucified for following him. How do these guys do it? I love what John Mark Comer says. There is a cross, but it's followed by an empty tomb. For some of you, that cross is going to get heavy, and you may be excluded, and things, people are going to say things about you that aren't true, but in the end, there's an empty tomb. There's life, life eternal, that is waiting for you. So stay strong. Stay connected to Jesus. Suffer like the Savior. Because in the end, the empty tomb of eternal life is waiting for you. Just like it awaited Jesus and just like it awaited the prophets before us. The way I want to end our time together is I want to invite Pastor Charles up. And we've been in this time of reflection over the last few weeks on the Beatitudes. And one of our favorite authors, Scotty Smith, he wrote a prayer. It should say Matthew 5, 3 through 12. But it's on the longing for a gospel-shaped, grace-filled heart, praying through the Beatitudes. So all we want to do in the end is to pray these Beatitudes over you and in you so this becomes your way of life and thus you can live the good life. So let's get started.
God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, now that I am no longer condemned for my sins, convict me quickly and deeply. Keep me always aware of my need for more grace and more of the Spirit's work in my life. I want to be a chief repenter in my relationships. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Free me to grieve about the ways I love poorly. Not making lame excuses or insincere promises, grant me godly sorrow and the comfort you alone can give. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. I love humility in others. <laughs> Grow a more humble heart in me, Jesus, for surely I have plenty about which to be humble. By grace, make me more gentle and less defensive. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now that you are my legal righteousness, Jesus intensify my hunger for becoming a more righteous man and someone who works tirelessly and hopefully for justice in my community. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As I have received so much mercy in the gospel and daily mercies from my Father, may I be far more merciful in my relationships and situations that tend to aggravate me. I want to lead with kindness, not rightness. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. But Jesus, I long for the day I will see you as you are and will be made like you. Until then, grant me a pure heart, a single heart, a whole heart with which to love, worship, and serve you. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. You are my peace, Jesus. You have reconciled me to God by your life, death, and resurrection once and for all. Hallelujah. By the Spirit, use me as a peacekeeper in my relationships and community. Forgive me when I care more about winning than loving. And finally, what we read today, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. For if I am to be persecuted for anything, may it be for living out the implications of the gospel in my community. May the gospel be the only offensive thing about me, Jesus. So very amen, I pray, in your glorious and graceful name. Amen. It's always wonderful spending this time with you. I love that we get to, to come together and worship like this. And I hope you have a great rest of the day and a great week as you live the good life as Jesus has called us to live. So we have some greeters who will dismiss you from the back forward and we will see you soon.